good evening folks we are uh, starting we are live tonight uh <clears throat> we had a little technical difficulty here we were working through so that's why we didn't have our normal start to the show uh tonight we have the guys from the guns and guns and the 701 on uh as well as there is a couple gentlemen with luke tonight and um i'll bring them on right quick there, there's luke and I've been told the most conservative legislator in the legislature, right Mr. here, Aaron McWilliams. That's right. Well, former legislator. I mean, former I'm trying to train train Ben up, so he's he's doing all right. Oh, yeah, he's doing okay. He's and doing all right. Ben <laughs> <laughs> and then so we have uh, Clay Peterson joining us from the Guns and Seven Hundred One podcast. How we doing, boys? As as well as. Uh, Jamie, his evening, partner. guys. Hey, Jamie. So, nice to see you. So, as you can see, we got a whole round table tonight. So, um, <laughs> one of the issues or one of the topics I'd like to cover first is Clayton. You, you are running for county com uh, county commission seat down in Sioux County, correct? Uh, that is correct. Yeah, we got uh, our big race going on down here in the in the metropolitan of Sioux County. <laughs> okay, can you why don't you give us a little uh, history on what's going on there and what? Well, we'll do that. And do. one thing I got to do though, being that we're broadcasting on our Guns and Seven Hundred One as well, I have to start the show like we do, and that is with. Can you imagine what it is? <laughs> it's going to be the Second Amendment. That's right. A well-regulated militia being necessary to the security of a free state, the right of the people to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed. So there we go. That's we got awesome. that taken care of. Perfect. We want to welcome all our guys. Uh, me and Shiloh, we're working on that. We got it hooked up so that uh, we are broadcasting simultaneously to uh, our uh, channel as well on YouTube. So, yes. well, um, I got, here's the deal. I did not want to be a commissioner. I wasn't even on my agenda. <laughs> I don't think... Uh, a lot of us probably that isn't the first thought we have is running. Right. Um, I had talked about the legislature at one time and uh, just uh, what well, I didn't feel that was my time. And then basically the people around here started asking me to run for county commissioner because I, I know they know what I'm like. I, I'm, I'm a real quiet guy. Luke can say that, right? Oh. <laughs> and one could only wish. Yeah. And uh, basically, that's how this happened. Uh, and one of the former commissioners, uh, then he called me and he goes, we got to get somebody on that ballot to, to run against Ken Snyder. And I said, well, I got to think about it. Talk with my wife, everything like that's always going to be a decision uh, with the family. Um, I mean, I, I left a job, uh, retired from the NRA because I wanted to be home with the family, not be on the road and raise, raise our kids. So she's like, you know what? I think you got to do it. And uh that's how that happened. That's why I started running um, or why I made the decision. Now, there's plenty of things that I'm finding that are wrong uh, in the county. Um, of course, roads are always bad, guys. Um, that comes a lot from our low tax base. Uh, it's a reservation county, primarily mm -hmm. the entire, all the entire counties in the reservation, a lot of tribal land, so low tax base. But there's plenty of blame to go along. They waste a lot of money, too. Um, I found several things. I can tell you there's a lot of issues in the courthouse. Uh, it's being run like it's a tribal government, essentially. And if you're not familiar with how that happens, well, there's a lot of things not being done and a lot of things missing. In a nutshell, that's what's uh, going on. I've been, been hitting the doors, hitting the shoe leather, 
talking to people. Uh, had a few town halls over in the eastern side of the county. Yeah, it's been good. Uh, I never spent that much time over there, so it was great to meet those people. Does anybody ever chew you out when you knocked on the door, Clay? Tell you to get the heck off the property. You're right. You know what? Surprisingly, no. Um, I'd never had anybody just uh, close the door and you know tell me to get bent. <laughs> they they actually are very nice people. Um, even some of the I went over there and hit the very far eastern side, over there by Fort Yates, and uh, yeah, it, it actually was accepted pretty well. And you know, I was out there. Dawson Hawley, who's in District 31 here and is running. Uh, for the legislature, he was over in that country and had the same same uh, welcome response. So maybe even the people that live farther east are, are understanding what's going on. So they, they're, they're happy to see some new blood. So I hope that uh, bodes well for me next next week. Yeah. yeah. I'm looking forward to you winning. <laughs> We're going to have to have a victory party, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> How many seats are there? Uh, there's three in Sioux County, District 1, 2, and 3. Uh, I'm in District 3. And you kind okay. of go to the northern side, north and eastern side of the county. That's District 1, I believe. And then District 2 is Fort Yates. It's funny how, and I I still don't have the history on that, but essentially Fort Yates has carved out its own little district over there and has a seat that's pretty much always going to be guaranteed to go one way. Yeah. Um, I'd rather see that go at large, all three seats. But uh, that's, you know, one one step at a time. Okay. Okay, so um, you got any questions, Luke? So, which district is that? What what county are you running for? Sioux, Sioux County. Sioux County. Yep, and I'm in uh, District Three, Luke. Okay. District Three. Essentially, that runs all the way from the western side, going right up against, uh, I believe it's Adams County over there, and then runs all the way to the river, almost going around Fort Yates. So it, it's a huge district. It's the biggest district in Sioux County with the lowest population. Good thing you drive fast, Clay. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I've even got the safe driving awards for it too. <laughs> yeah, that's right. You did get an award for that. <laughs> I met one of the fine revenuers just two weeks ago. <laughs> so if anybody's watching from that area that, that watch our channel at all, um, Clayton has been a, an, an absolute wonderful source Um in the legislature came and spoke on several of my bills actually and has been a wealth of information especially with your background in with the nra um, and i'm kind of looking forward tonight we have a an ex-legislator aaron mcwilliams um, from hillsborough uh, area and not originally he's a transplant from uh, many <laughs> Wow. Did, did you just oh. did, did you just almost call me a, a city guy? Yeah, Louisiana. Let's just get that straight. Louisiana. Okay. He's a case. He almost called me a, a city slicker. Yeah. Oh. Don't call it that, right? Oh. Then we have a really special guest as well, a sitting legislator who has been, as you know, Clayton, a champion of the of the second amendment for a long time oh, and that's my friend ben koppelman from district 16 yeah. which is fargo which west, is west fargo west no. fargo we, we like to think we're from the west even though you guys don't think of us that way yeah west river so there is yeah. a very very small percentage of legislators that are conservative from the west from Fargo, uh, from the east, and this from is the east. one of them. So it's going to be exciting. Yeah, and and Ben, uh, 
I know that, uh, well, actually, Jeff Magram and I were working a lot on that Stand Your Ground bill before it got going, and then you came with the other one. And I remember when he called me, he says, I think we're going to kill your bill. <laughs> and I go, well, that's fine. Uh, I know how that, that works. I've been in this arena a long time. And honestly, it was the right call. It's the one that could be passed, and it flew through. I mean, really, that's that's probably one of the easier bills I've ever been involved with, helping on that. And I was happy to come testify on that. Well, and Jeff, when it first started out, Jeff was hemming and hawing whether or not he wanted to introduce a, a Stand Your Ground bill as a prime sponsor. And a lot of people tried to talk him out of it, and he wouldn't be talked out of it. He wanted no. to be, he had battled it the time before. and uh, um, But everybody thought his idea was just a screwball idea. And I said, well, Jeff, try to do it this way. And I think you can get it done. And he's like, no, no, I like my way. But if you want to introduce that bill too, I, I, I don't have a problem with that. And so I put the language forward and a lot of people liked it. I even offered to let him sign on and he could put his bill to bed and he didn't want to, he wanted to do his bill. And uh, so it got to the legislature and everybody looked at him and said, you know, Jeff, your bill's a screwball idea. What are you thinking? <laughs> and they all paid attention to that. And I just worked behind the scenes and, and got the other one passed. And then now as he tells the story, he makes it sound like he was like the planned bait to go out there and get to all the arrow as well. Well, we did stuff when they weren't looking or something. So, you know, and I, I read them both. Of course, Jeff sent me his right away, and I liked it. I, of course, I I have no issues going after the throat of everybody if I need to. But um, the key was was getting it passed. I think was more important. So when you know he showed me yours, I was like, well, uh, to me, I think that you're right. Let's go for one we can pass. You can always tweak it if you need to later. You know, it's just like when we worked on concealed carry. You know, with NRA. That was a slow process. I mean, we're talking 20 years in the works. I was in high school when I started that with them guys. We just took the states where we knew we could get it. You worked little by little and then tweaked it from there. And now you got over 30, what, 39, almost 39 states that have concealed some kind of a concealed carry in, in the United States. Um, real concealed carry. There's actually a few more, but I don't consider New York's a concealed carry because you about got to be be a, a millionaire to have a concealed carry in the state of New York. So, well, but you no, saw the, a, uh, the the courts actually struck down one of those laws there in New York. They uh, did for being for being against the Second Amendment. That yeah, it was too recently. onerous of a process to actually be able to get a concealed carry license. Um, so I thought that was a huge win for us for the Second Amendment. It crisis. was. It was huge. Uh, we've had a lot of great Supreme Court decisions come out just in the last what three four months that mm -hmm. have really reinforced the Second Amendment and. I can't tell you enough that how important it is to show who's the president when the Supreme Court justices come up. And exactly, we're seeing it right now. I wasn't a fan of a couple of them that went on there. I didn't think they were conservative enough. But when it comes to the Second Amendment, we've had some resounding uh, wins there. And I can't imagine, can you imagine if Biden would have been the guy to put these people in? Oh, my oh, goodness. It, we'd have a different country. It yeah. would. We'd, we'd be in a civil war probably by now if, if that yeah. would have happened. The thing about New York, they did <clears throat> they did change that after that Bruin case, but now New York's putting a bunch of other crap oh, yeah. in there. Um, they go through your social media to make sure you know you got to have a good. It's you have a good reason to do it, and they're making all like basically making whole thing in New York City and, and all that. Uh, um, what do they call them? A safe space where you can't because they did pick something out of there that, that Thomas said. So they're using the safe space and basically trying to make the whole state a safe space. So it's going to have to go back to court again. You know, oh, yeah. While crime goes through the roof. So how yeah. safe? <laughs> yeah. Well, oh, yeah. Narratives and agendas pretty much is what it's about, uh, especially in New York. And that's what's happening so, out there. 
where does the uh, where does the stand your ground bill stand right now in, in North Dakota? I know that Luke and I were on the Judiciary Committee. We worked with Bagram's bill in 2019, but I kind of I, I since then I stepped <laughs> out of it and I haven't really followed it. You said it's well, long. Stuff in. in essence, what we did was we passed pretty much everything Magram said his bill did. We passed. Okay. But we didn't do it the way that he was going to do it. And right. So what we did was we essentially left a lot of the language in there that people had real heartburn with him taking out and, and made an exception that, you know, basically allows you to stand your ground 99.5% of the time. And there was some other key pieces of that bill that I didn't necessarily always bring to light because I didn't want people to get hung up on them. But we, we strengthened your presumed defense. Okay. Um, if you, as self-defense when you're using a firearm. Sure. We, we, we made it harder and, and got rid of an inconsistency in when somebody else could come after you civilly. So we made it very tough for them to come after you civilly. And so those things were kind of minor things. But in practice, if you ever had to use the stand your ground provision, they protected you much more in a civil sense because stand your ground is essentially a criminal protection. Sure. Right. And so when you go to civil, I mean, people can sue some, anybody for anybody pretty much, anything pretty much. But we put some some bars in there where if they tried, they're paying every nickel of your defense if they lose yeah, and okay. things like that. So there was, yeah, that was just one of the many safeguards in there. And it was it was great. Um, like I said, I, I think it was a that was a great bill. Um, if, if it needs some tweaking, it's always going to be done. I think coming into this new session, you're going to see a really great group of senators. I think the Senate's going to be more conservative. It probably always has been if some of these races go the way they're looking. And I think that's going to be a great opportunity for a lot of things coming up. Well, let's just, um, let's just for the people, maybe that, um, you know, we're talking all as people that are in the know of what stand our <laughs> standard ground is. Um, let's just take a step back here and explain to maybe some people that are maybe new to the to politics or that might not mean anything. Go ahead, Ben. What what is standard ground? Tell it. Well, to, to we, we 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 had the castle doctrine in North Dakota for a long time, which basically said if somebody comes into your house and you know and threatens you or or whatever, that you can use whatever means necessary to protect yourself, including shooting that individual. Um, what stand your ground did is extend a portion of that doctrine outside of your home. Now the standard is a little bit different, but I mean, you have to match force with force, much like when you have a concealed weapons license and you've been, you know, carrying, if you've been carrying for a long time or under constitutional carry the same way. But, but, uh, I always say it's like this. If you're in the supermarket, you used to have a duty to retreat. So if somebody comes into you and points a gun in your face and your kids are right there. You're supposed to go hide behind the watermelons or the canned food or run to the door. <laughs> and only and only if if you're you know cornered can you turn around and, and defend yourself. So you had a duty to retreat. We got yep. rid of the duty to retreat, and that's actually what we called it. We called it the no duty to retreat bill. Okay. Yeah. That was brilliant. Because stand that your ground here. The stand your ground was had Jeff Magram's face all over it. Yep. Yes. And so we're like, well, how about no duty to retreat? Because isn't, aren't we just basically turning it into something that's very affirmative for people's mindset? Yeah. And so now, you know, you can't shoot somebody because they look cross-eyed at you in the grocery <laughs> store. You can't do that. Right. But but if you're matching force with force, if your life or serious bodily injury are threatened, you can use a firearm to defend yourself 
anywhere you're legally allowed to be. And that's a key phrase that I've been using in a lot of my legislation. I use that in legislation to get allow you to carry in bars that allow kids or restaurants that serve alcohol. Mm-hmm. Anywhere somebody under 18 years is allowed to be, you can carry. Um, and, and so what we're doing is, although it makes for messy lawmaking sometimes, we're essentially creating exceptions for the majority of the time. Mm-hmm. And so, and, and uh, the very first bill I introduced in the legislature, if, I, if my memory serves me right, that dealt with guns was I changed the definition of loaded and unloaded on a handgun. Okay. So for many That's years right. on a long gun, it was one in the chamber, shotgun, rifle, doesn't matter. One in the chamber was loaded. You could have the magazine or the, you know, if it had an internal, you know, uh, it, you know, however, um, you could have that essentially loaded up, but unless there's one of the chambers unloaded, well, they turned around and said, want a handgun, one in the magazine meant loaded, mm-hmm. didn't have to be chambered, didn't have to be ready to fire. It was loaded. And, uh, and that was one of the things that looking back, I, that thing sailed through way faster than it should have. The people knew what that meant, but, <laughs> but in, in practice, nobody's been less safe. There haven't been people, even accidental shootings that have happened because of that law change. And so we started there. It was about this big. And we said, now what's next? Because we lose our gun rights one nibble at a time, one red flag law at a time, one bump stock law at a time, one, you know, um, suppressor law at a time, whatever it is. We lose those, you know, by a million paper cuts over probably 50 years, maybe more. And so I've been here now about 10 years. And in a lot of ways, we don't have very many things left to do in North Dakota to be, you know, it, I mean, it's changed. We could, well, we could, uh, we could tweak the concealed carry law. Yep. I, think I got a real issue and I always have that yep. I have to tell a, a patrolman or a law enforcement officer anything. I'm in my own personal property. It's none of their business, especially if I'm not breaking the law. To me, it's even a it's even offensive that to me, it's a due, due process issue. See, South Dakota, where I come from, we don't have to. You I have mean, the right to do what they do. I mean, if, if you were an aggressive criminal, what's it going to matter? You think you're going to tell uh, them anything? It's I just mean, another infringement no on someone who's already yeah. law abiding. And I'm a strict constitutionalist that way, which sometimes rubs people wrong. <laughs> but, uh, and as Luke knows, I carry my little constitution everywhere with me. Um, mm-hmm. I, I just, I believe in the, in the true letter of that wording. And uh, I, there's, there's tweaking that could be done, but for the most part, we're in pretty good shape. Both of the Dakotas are in pretty good shape. So what's the definition of if you think you're in danger of bodily harm and to use force? I mean, what would that be? Does that mean I have to get in a fist fight with them first and get stabbed? Or what What, what would that be? Well, I, I believe the way that the law works is you're allowed to use um, deadly force if you're in danger or you or somebody else is in danger of losing their life or imminent or, or, or what appears to be serious bodily harm, loss of limb, that sort of thing. Um, and, and so it's a judgment call. And I've heard it said before that if you had have an 80 year old woman and, uh, and somebody that looks like Dwayne Johnson, the rock comes and confronts her and starts to rough her up and she shoots the guy, everybody's going to say that she felt like she was in serious bodily harm and did not mm-hmm. use excessive force. Mm-hmm. But you know, if somebody the size of the rock is the guy shooting and it's a, you know, it's a, you know, 120 pound um, young man approaching him and saying he's going to beat him up, probably not going to have the same result. So it's really it's really a determination you have to make as as somewhat of a um, of a reasonable use of force. That's really what it's about. But there's a presumed um, innocence in the law. So, I mean, you know, 
what you wrote, yeah. Always, it, you, yeah, you have that presumed. Yeah, what you put in there was really kind of brilliant because it does. It gives that presumed innocence right away. Now, never re- I got to remind, remind everybody of this. Even if you use your your sidearm or whatever it might might be a shotgun to use as self defense, and you do that's kill your you're supposed to use, or, ask Joe. Yeah, ask Joe. You're supposed to use a shotgun only, right? <laughs> with, <laughs> with, uh, with eight Sound rounds round. in your six Sound cylinder, round. yeah, whatever he comes up with. But anyway, the big thing with that is is the most cops are going to show up. You will probably be arrested, detained for sure, but you may even be arrested because they honestly, guys, do not know the law. When it, especially when it comes to a lot of the gun laws. I've had a lot of arguments with a lot of officers. That's why I schooled myself so hard. Uh, one of them in, in South Dakota was the fact that as long as the, the place of business had 51% or more of its profits coming from something other than alcohol, you were allowed to carry in there, concealed or open. And so many cops actually didn't even know that. They'd arrest people. I my my phone would ring off the hook in my office, and and yes, they were wrong. They shouldn't have done that. Problem is, is you still got to go to court easily in South Dakota. At least you could cite the codified law, and you could probably defend yourself because that is law. It's up to them to prove that fifty one percent does not come from them. And you go to a place like Longhorn Steakhouse, Texas Roadhouse, over over fifty one percent of their profits and sales come from food, not from alcohol. And you know that's one good example there. Now you walk into Oh, I don't know. Any just regular bar that serves a couple burgers, yeah, you you better not carry in there and down there because you probably are breaking the law. So it's just uh, things like that. Don't get caught. Don't get caught. <laughs> <laughs> well, actually, that brings up another good point. You know, when I got in the legislature, almost all the penalties for violating our gun chapter of where you could carry were class A misdemeanors or felonies. Mm-hmm. And true. there was only a couple that were class B misdemeanors. And what we did was we went in there and it's actually two different bills, if my memory serves me correct. And uh, um, one of them lowered him down to an infraction, which was my bill. Yep. And um, there was another bill that actually went further than that and made him a non-criminal penalty mm-hmm. entirely, which an infraction is still mm-hmm. technically. A or it, it's, well, it wasn't a criminal penalty, but it made him a, uh, what do they call it? It made it kind of the same as if you uh, make a mistake when you're hunting and you shoot a hen pheasant instead of a rooster or something like that. Right. It's like it's essentially a fine. And no, it's not an infraction. It's lower no. than infraction. It's almost like an administrative um, penalty. And it's so like now a parking ticket. Than, but but the key one was we took every single felony off the page other than the I believe the terrorizing one under the explosives chapter. And so any sort of person or any person that wants to conceal carry pretty much everywhere they go and is following all the laws and just incidentally gets charged with something because they're carrying, you know, um, can appreciate the fact that those penalties are much, much less stiff. Plus, unless you have an overzealous, uh, you know, police chief or something, who's going to prosecute something for a uh, non-criminal administrative penalty? They're right. just not. They're, they might ask you to leave or whatever, but that's where it's going to end. Yeah. And so I think those that carry around the state do have it pretty good. I mean, should should it be illegal to carry in a bar? Probably not. Um, Are there fines associated with it? Um, and like if you oh, don't, you know, that's a good question. Fines associated with it? There, well, there there can be um, every different um, law that you break. Well, yeah. if it's a felony, a misdemeanor, an infraction, or this other one, administrative, either have a stated amount in the law or there's a, a range that can be that a judge can can use sure but but in either case i think that that's like 
fifty dollars or something like that. It's it's a the, the challenge thing. I've got with with some of those financial penalties that come up right away. And my wife ran into this the other day. She got pulled over because she she the the, the officer saw her swerve. You know, crossed the fog line. And they, <laughs> you know, that's the one they get you for it. Crossing they, the they, they, uh, they, she swerved a little bit. The officer pulled her over. She was wearing her seatbelt. She wasn't speeding. She just got distracted by my eight-year-old in the back seat. And then, and it was a twenty-dollar ticket. But the point was, they actually had had no reason to give her a ticket. There was she actually did not break any laws. There was no there was no laws broken there. They didn't have just cause to give her that ticket. They ended up writing her ticket for the um, for a seatbelt violation which wasn't accurate by itself but it means that for her to challenge that she has to go to court she has to take the time out of her day to go to court and challenge it when it's like well and i told her i said honey we're just going to pay the 20 bucks but in relation to to the gun laws you know if if there are if there are financial penalties based on that that's something that i i have a big problem with because then it's then it means that you're you're presuming that it you're presuming guilt because you're being faced with a financial penalty. And even though you may go, go to court and win, it means that now you have to take the time out of your day to go fight that. And you might very well win. Yep. But I, and that's the, that's what the issue I was talking about. Most cops don't even know the real rules. I got pulled over coming home from Dickinson from an NRA event. I don't know. It was like two in the morning and I, you know, it was a late night. I wasn't even swerving. And the guy claimed I crossed the fog line. And I was like, well, what, what are you talking about? Did you know there's an actual century code written about the fog line? That's the white line on the side of the, of the road. Mm -hmm. There's no financial penalty. There's no penalty whatsoever. What it did was create probable cause, which is a bunch of crap as far as I'm concerned, yep. for someone to pull you over. And then he starts giving me all these questions. Well, I don't do well with that. I told him where to, to, where to shove it. And if I wasn't being detained, I was leaving. And he wanted to know if I had a gun in the vehicle. This says, what is, what have you pulled me over for? He tells me the fog lines. Yeah. I said, well, that's crap too. I said, I'm telling you right now. I said, I'm leaving <laughs> and you're not gaining me. I'm leaving. And he just, he just kind of sat there. Didn't know how to react. I'm telling you guys, a lot of this can be stopped. If you educate yourself, I guess I, I can't stress that enough to people educate yourself and you'll have a lot fewer troubles. Um, you shouldn't have to be that way. A nine or 18 month course for law enforcement isn't enough because they don't teach them the right things anymore. They teach them how to take you to the ground or they teach you other things. And I'm not anti-cop, but so many of these guys get a big head. There's good ones out there. Don't get me wrong, but so many yeah. get a big head. And then especially on gun laws, I can't believe how many law enforcement officers are so ignorant of what the actual laws are about gun safety, gun handling and gun, uh, caring i mean it just amazes me well maybe we need to uh, in one of the bills maybe we need to appropriate some money as the legislature to 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 uh um, cover the cost of educating police that have been on the job a long time Absolutely. that that learn their their uh gun law stuff uh well i'll say at least at least pre when i got there because yeah. a lot's changed <laughs> then yeah. a but lot even there was a little bit that changed before that and and uh, um, if they if they learned their their if they had their training in two thousand and two, yeah, two thousand and four. Oh, yeah, they're they, a lot of data. That's like they went to a different state, yeah. and, well, and and that's pretty important for things like constitutional carry. So maybe that's the key. Maybe we put put some money out there and 
and say, this is what it's for. This is for yeah. educating the police officers to on basically how to treat the public better by knowing the law. Well, just yeah. update, update their knowledge on all of this intrico, not just the gun laws, but I mean, it, it on, on a variety of different things. I mean, in 2019, we passed a bill that said, hey, look, you can finally run your car in the parking lot again. You know, that was <laughs> yeah. in the 1950s. <laughs> well, look at South Dakota down there. South Dakota literally had a law still on the books until a few years ago that a war party literally was three Native Americans in a group. And if you were from your covered wagon, that was considered a war party and you could fire upon them in defense. That was a real law in South Dakota codified <laughs> law. So it just shows you that, you know, maybe the laws need to be reviewed, you know, every century. <laughs> well, now you know why you saw the occasional covered wagon. There you go. I had one. No. <laughs> hey, Jamie, I want to throw something to Jamie, though. I mean, he's uh -huh. in Bismarck. So what we're talking about, have you seen those kinds of issues as far as carrying in Bismarck? Not personally or anybody I know. I haven't. I think that the only time I've been pulled over and I don't know how long, and he just asked me if I had a firearm in the car. Oh, and okay. I said, yeah, it's right next to me right here. Said, what is it? And I said, nine millimeter. And then he never said a word about it again to me, but. And, and some of my friends, I mean, that have been pulled over, they haven't had any, they haven't had any problem with it. I, I, I know what you're saying. Oh, yeah. Some maybe, hey, maybe I just ran into some good Second Amendment cop there or something. I don't know. Most cops I know are actually, they're pretty pro Second Amendment up here, to be honest with you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> good, good to see Jason listening. See, you're getting a few of our viewers tonight. Uh, I see they're coming in on our, uh, from our YouTube channel. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So, speaking of that. Oh, go ahead, Luke. Well, um, what got me to run for legislature actually was a story like that. Um, Clayton, you asked James about that. And um, so my wife and I were coming out of a Wednesday night church service. We were going to Perkins and I'd been, so I'd been carrying a gun since I was, uh, I think 18 years old, 21 years old, somewhere in there yeah. and open carry for the most part. You know, mind you, I'm from Western North Dakota. It is a different country. Um, mm -hmm. We are a lot more Western. Um, even our, even the women have a hair chest here. Oh, that's a new clip. Watch they, out. You there, do straight edge yeah. shaves on the ladies too. Luke. Yeah. So, um, <clears throat> I don't know who you hang out with, but, <laughs> but all I envision is when Luke decides to run again, they're going to pull my that little pack. bitty clip out and they're going to play it over and over and over on the radio. <laughs> yeah. So anyways, um, what I was, so my wife, my, my five children, we were on our way to Perkins exactly six minutes after church and I got pulled over. Um, it was like January. It was very cold. And um, the police officer was a young guy and I knew most all the young are all the police officers here in town and sheriff and to make a long story a little bit longer what happened was is <clears throat> he asked me I rolled down my window I said hey you know what I know the headlight is out just go ahead and give me a, a, a ticket well mind you I was just pulled over in Billings Montana for the same headlight the Billings Police Department didn't even mention my gun on the dash and they seen it there. I mean, they just like, eh, cool. All right, yeah. You know? And, um, <clears throat> here I'd never had any problems. Well, the, the guy asked me, he said, do you have a permit for your gun? I said, yeah. He goes, let me see it. And I jokingly said, 
well, it'd be hard to show it to you. It runs in my veins. And <laughs> he uh, said, give me the gun. And I said, oh, sorry, wow. sir, but God himself wouldn't ask for my gun. I'm not giving it to you. And he said, uh, give me the gun now. And I said, sir, I will give you everything. You can give me a ticket, but you're not taking my gun. Now, Ben probably knows where this is going um, because the law, the tide had certainly changed. And I didn't know that. And mind you, this is like, uh, you know, around nine o'clock at night. So I told him I was going to grab my license or my registration and and uh, title, whatever. And I did. And when I had my hands up here, he came and shot his hands across my desk, oh. my lap, and grabbed my firearm. Wow. My firearm. Now, I'll tell you guys, if mm -hmm. I was to grab his firearm, huh. that would be a rodeo. But yeah. it's okay for him to grab my firearm, whatever. So anyways, I did what anybody would do. If your hand was going across, I grabbed his hand and I said, get your hands off of my gun. Not in a violent way, anything. No. He came back like this, and it was gun pointed at me oh. right now. <laughs> and I'll tell you what, I came very upset. I um, rolled my window up, and he was telling me he was going to shoot me in the head. And he was going like this with his firearm, saying, officer down, officer struck. Clayton, you know what those words mean. Oh, were. my God. Really? So, and that's tunnel vision. And it's weird because this happened seven, eight years ago, and I'm still, right now I'm getting worked up. Because, mm -hmm. man, my family was in that vehicle, and he was pointing mm -hmm. a, uh, a gun at my head. Unreal. But anyways, my kids are starting to cry in the back. My wife is, you know, very shooken up. I called my sheriff. I couldn't get a hold of him. I'm personal friends with the sheriff. Mm -hmm. um, then I called my brother. Well, little did I know, they detained my brother in his vehicle behind wow. me. Oh, five cop cars show up surround me they tore my door handles off of my vehicle because i wouldn't comply i told them i would not be thrown down in the street and tased like a common thug over a god-given right that's on my dash that i did wow. not reach for well one officer finally shows up and he's he shows up just like this and i'm <laughs> like sir i am not a threat i told him the whole story um and he, while he's doing this, he's looking at me. I said, this officer has got tunnel vision, and he's demanding to see my gun. And I'm sorry, but we fought a war over that, and I didn't cross Montana, or I'm not in Mexico or something. Right. Well, anyways, long story got just almost over. Pete, um, senior officer, shows up, and he pulls his vehicle up, slams it in park, and at this point, I know Pete real well. And this guy that, that's talking to me, he finally puts his gun away. And he's like, okay, just, just roll the window down. I'm like, dude, I'm not rolling the window down with all these cops pointing guns at me. Yeah. And he told me if I spoke again, he would shoot me in the head. And for anybody watching, wow. um, uh -huh. make sure to see that you're recording. Because I said I was recording. I was shaking so bad, I could not make my phone record. But they understandable. And um, anyways, so he puts his gun away, but the rest of them didn't. 
Pete shows up, throws his vehicle in park, like I'd mentioned earlier, and he comes out and he starts yelling, stand down, stand down. He's a constitutionalist. He's a Ron Paulian. He's He's one of us. So these guys are all standing back. I hit my window. It came down. He reached in, uh, and this is just awesome, and gave me a huge hug and whispered in my ear and said, everything's going to be okay, Luke. This won't ever happen again in our town. And they asked me to come in, file a complaint against the young officer who is two weeks on the job. Mind you, he was from Minneapolis, St. Paul. Um, <clears throat> they fired him that next day. When I showed up, though, this is where it gets scary. And that's why I was saying, Ben, that you would know what I'm talking about. I showed up and all those officers were standing in a line. And they're, and Dan Brown, who's an awesome man. Oh, probably, Dan. I know Dan well. Yep. You know Dan real well. He's NRA. Just a. He was my chairman there in Dickinson for 20 years. <laughs> yeah. Wonderful man. Um, his face was just white as a ghost. I said, what's going on? He goes, they changed the law. And Pete, <laughs> Pete was like, yeah, they changed the law. An hour after dark, it's a concealed carry gun. If you remember, Clayton, you should know that too, right? Mm-hmm. And they changed. Little did I know, here I am illegally carrying a gun now because some legislator somewhere Changes changed it. the law and said an hour after dark, the Second Amendment now does not apply to me. Yeah. And I'm like, well, I'm sure the founding fathers had that in Amendment B. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you have the right to keep and bear arms until the sun sets. <laughs> well, they still fired that officer because this is Western North Dakota, but legally, he was correct, and I was actually out of the law. Oh. And the other thing is, is the other thing except, I did. Except about the part about being able to shoot you in the head if you spoke oh, yeah. anymore. That yeah. probably wasn't. Yeah, that, yeah. that yeah. was out of line. And so uh, so your First Amendment rights were getting violated, too. And actually, that one single event got me to run for office. So oh, yeah. you, you asked if, if I had any experiences. Um, and after that, in North Dakota, in Western North Dakota, they don't even care anymore. The only time they care is if you're a felon, if you're selling drugs, if you're, you know, a pimp or something and you have a gun. Yeah, they're going to throw the book at you. But around here, I cut right. a lot of law enforcement hair and they, well, they all tell me the same thing. We expect you to carry a gun. In fact, please carry more than one. I do. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but one boring story to just tell you the story. No, that wasn't boring at all. No, that wasn't boring at all. It kind of was just... up and down. I was really pissed off hearing about it. Luke, are you and done? Of course, you talked about Scott uh, or Pete coming in, and then it's like, oh, okay, well, that ended well. And then, of course, you get the, the ending, and it's like, huh, you're right. And there, you said it, though, Luke. Some legislator, he wanted to feel real good and do something, probably take a little step, and boom, said, you know what, we'll put this in here. After dark, you know, you lose your rights. And when I, a lot of that stuff happens when nobody's paying attention. And then well, something you know, like this happens and you find out. Dark. So well, everything yeah. everything bad happens. I think this it's, is a common sense law. After dark, a lot of people get crazy, so they shouldn't carry a gun then. You know, and, people and I, that don't get crazy for the my, crazies. <laughs> my, my philosophy is uh, is you should make sure your gun's loaded after dark. Yeah, because exactly. When you would want to have your, your firearm, you're much more likely to get... Um, you know, to need it in a, in in a situation, I think after dark when when alcohol is flowing more more uh, predominantly. <laughs> that's what no, you know, just talking about just, alcohol. I've never understood this in in North Dakota. Got to remember, I I used to be in South Dakota, so I've seen two sides of this. But 
it, it's it's amazing to me that uh, when I came up here to start doing banquets, that if I had a banquet where alcohol was served, all of a sudden now I had to have an extra expense of having either your security guard or a off-duty officer at my event. That's something I definitely like to see change. So That's I got a insane question and for you stupid. On that yeah. Did you ever see anybody get drunk and disorderly at an NRA banquet? Because I know there's a lot of people drinking there and getting boozy. Many times I've seen them get drunk. Not yeah, so no, much disorderly. I've yeah. I only had a deal, and I can tell you this, in over 20 years, I think I had two incidents that really weren't that big. It was more of a scuffle. The guy had had way too much to drink, and the FFL dealer said, I'm not going to transfer the firearm, as he should have. Mm-hmm. And that was the scuffle. That was the big one, and we had him escorted out. But we didn't use no cop um, because we were in South Dakota when that happened. And <laughs> the rest of us just are like, um, listen, buddy, you're in the wrong crowd if you think you're going to start something. I think it, there must have been 10 of us around him. We were all carrying. <laughs> I never seen anybody get out of hand at anyone I was ever no. at. So. For the most part, um, people had a good time. Um, very few incidences of even absurd drunkenness. Um most people were, were very mellow. They had a few that had fun. Um, it was nice to see them have a maybe one extra one so then they'd open up their wallet <laughs> and, and support the NRA. That always works for sure. Well, hey, hey when, my, when my mom's sister-in-law was alive, she bought that AR here at the Eagles, remember? She had oh, that was than, her. That's right. Yeah. Was it like four grand or something? Yeah, for a DPMS AP4 that cost like 700 bucks at the time. So, of course, that was when Obama was out there talking about mm-hmm. banning mm-hmm. every AR in the world. The mags were $100 a piece, too. Oh, yeah, then we sold the mags for it. Dale Polky was auctioneering and he kept calling him a clip. And I said, Carol, tell him it's a magazine. And she hollers out, It's a magazine. <laughs> <laughs> Get it right. Now, my well, M1 grand, it has. Oh, Dale. You know, you know, one thing that 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 all you gun nerds out there would appreciate is I'm, I was considering uh, putting a bill in strictly for the purpose of naming things the right thing. I like you know, that. <laughs> silencer would go away. Although, you know, we might say a suppressor sometimes referred to as a silencer means this, and uh, a magazine sometimes referred to as a clip. And at least you know to cover the the layman's terms that are incorrect. But uh, for people that, that know what they're talking about, uh, it drives them nuts. And I'll uh, be honest yeah. with you. When I first started doing this in the legislature, I had some of my terminology wrong. I watched too many movies and, and, uh, and uh, things like that where the terminology is used incorrectly. And, and, a, lot, uh, a lot of people do that. They, although they just... Ira Maxim, who had invented the suppressor, he patented as calling it the silencer. And there's silencer co and silencershop.com. <laughs> you know, I, I'm not too hard on that. The clip well, is what gets me. I'm really impartial to my wheel guns. <laughs> I love those as well. <laughs> and of course, I sit here now. We're gonna have a gun showing. Yeah, I know how this yeah, goes. What, what are you talking about? <laughs> there we go. There we go. My desk, I mean, I really would I really pity like old uh, Mr. Tad, pity the fool. I the guy that would have to Mr. walk T. into my basement and come down now, Mr. T come down here. And threaten me, not going to be a good day for him because, like, within arm's reach here, I so will I was, stand my ground. I've so been in your I, basement. They'd be in trouble for sure. If I, I'm going to throw a curveball at everybody, and I'm not sure exactly where James and Clayton sit on this, but um, so sitting next to me is Representative Ben Cobbleman. Okay. Yes. He's been serving for some time. In the, the short time that I was in the legislature, Ben had some of the best gun bills there have been. Even on Rick's bills, 
you've done a lot of fixing on those bills. If you are for term limits, you would term limit this guy out before he did any of his greatest gun bills that he has done. That's exactly why I'm against it is stuff like that. Just put I'm that in your know. pipe and smoke on that for a right. while because I'm, 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 you are also getting rid of the good guys in the legislature. 100%. I mean, so term limits are, are an interesting subject. They really are. Um, you know, we term limit the president. I'm glad we do that. I, I want to see the governor term limited. I think, yeah. uh, and I wouldn't even stop at the governor. I'm not, I'll be honest, I'm not near as concerned about the legislators as I am about governor, lieutenant governor, secretary of state, all of them guys that get ingrained like an Al Jagger and look what's happened. Yeah. yeah. Now, those are your, I guess you'd call them your heads of state. You know, South Dakota did it. There's several other states. I'm familiar. Guys, I'm going to refer to South Dakota because that's where I grew up. That's where I'm most familiar with. And when they passed theirs, South their Dakota governor. Cowboy. Yeah, South Dakota Cowboy. <laughs> you guys don't know the, the inside joke. We'll have to tell you about that on Scott's show one day. <laughs> but basically, the governor is term limited out. When they're term limited out after two terms, they got to sit out one. But they can come back eventually if they'd like to. Uh, I, the only one I ever seen do it was Governor Janklow. And then he sat out his one term and he come back and he got back in there. And then he decided to run for the House of Representatives. I'm not quite sure why he ran for governor because two years later he decided to run for the House. But uh, South Dakota also, you can serve in the Senate. And if you, when you're term limited out there after two terms, then you can go to the House. And you can do that back and forth forever. Um, so, I mean, they did it. I don't know. It, it seems like it's had zero. Would that really be term limits then? I no. mean, if you can go back and forth, I mean, I didn't think well, it was. My I can't see where good. it has had any significant impact on what they were trying to stop. Yeah. So, like okay, you're saying, this uh, California passed term limits back in the early '90s. Look how look how well it did with. For, yeah. Uh, exactly. I mean, there's plenty yeah. of examples out there. The yeah, reason yeah, I would say right, yes for doing it for three of us have, you know, have, have served in the legislature and Ben continues to do so and was there long before Luke and I came in. Luke mm -hmm. and I came into the legislature and you know, we got elected in 2016, uh, kind of on the Trump bump. And then, um, you know, Luke continued to serve. I lost the primary race in 2020. But it wasn't until the end of my second session, my legislative session, that you finally start learning some of those things that you missed the whole right. time. And then and we've heard that over and over again from legislators mm -hmm. that it takes three or four sessions to finally learn the some of the appropriations process and how to get good bills passed and learn how to navigate the legislative council and how to navigate the committees and hey, right there just, it takes a while and so you just it, brought up it, one thing though the legislative council is your biggest problem in in north dakota they don't have that down there they got something similar but they don't have the power i can tell you right now after lobbying in south dakota we don't go to no legislative council to write a bill. You might get some advice if you want it, but you can write a bill down there and introduce it. You don't have to go through this process. And I'll, I'll tell you flat out on term limits. To me, a better idea is you guys, we need to get a grip on how the party process works. I have never walked in to a more vile and corrupt way that they elect people than in North Dakota. And I've been in a lot of states. Let me say this, this endorsement about governors, thing is uh, give me one minute here. This endorsement yep, sorry, thing buddy. is the Go problem. This is why you have 
the, the people you have in there that are no good. Down there, you if you want to run, you primary. That's the only way to get elected. You get out there, you, do, you work the shoe leather, you put your names on a petition, and you get out there and campaign. Here, you can show up to a group of 20, 30 people, and they're going to pick your candidates for you, and that's your endorsed uh, candidate for the party. Now, we are seeing some pushback. I saw it in District 31, Dawson Hawley. Not only did he beat the one incumbent, he beat both the incumbents and come out on top, so it can be done, but... I think you got to get rid of this endorsing process and you need to get the state out of the party business. Essentially. Um, I can't, I just, there's a lot of century code that's entwined that, that dictates to what you can do. And that's not right. So uh, I don't think term limits be, are going to accomplish anything. Some people will be saying, well, why wouldn't you, what's, why would you want to term limit the governor? My, my answer to that would be uh, because you got places like Fargo, that are big liberal cesspools that can keep, they got a huge voting block and they can keep putting the governor in, whereas a legislator or senator can be voted out in their district by, by yeah. people. But, you know. Well, and another I, issue you got up here is every district has one senator and two reps. And then they make the districts according to the population every 10 years on census. Well, you know what happens? The more populated areas keep gaining districts, therefore keep gaining seats in the respective legislature and eventually well, on the western side i figured i figured the next uh, census cycle probably western north dakota will be irrelevant vote wise probably down in south dakota it's kind of emulates and a lot of other states where you have okay, a set number of senators i don't know about minnesota but they, they have a limited number of senators and then the house of representatives is based on population so you have a balance there um, you're never going to have one side of the state take full control. But I can tell you right now, if we keep on this track, especially I think we're only allowed, what, 49, but we have 47 districts. I, I don't remember what the state constitution says. I think, I think, you, can, like I think you can have actually, I want to say it's like 52 is the match. Oh, maybe that's what it is. But we had 49 um, some number of years ago, and it went to 47, I think, in, yeah. uh, in 2010. Okay. Right. And they've never really talked about changing that. They just, you know, you look at that Fargo area and it just keeps getting more and more. They and more talked discussion. about, there was some discussion about going to back to 49 this last time, mm -hmm. but there wasn't a lot of support for it. Um, but that could be urban versus rural. But, right. but again, one of the key things to keep in mind, even in areas like Fargo, if a person wants to put some money into a race in Fargo, the governor's proven this where he's put his money. And not that he's been successful with getting his candidate in, mm -hmm. but but you can, you know, $50,000 goes a long ways in a legislative race yep. anywhere in North Dakota. And the real oh, yeah. contested ones, they might each side might spend 100 like yeah. in Fargo on the highly yeah, highest contest, contested. And although that's a lot of money, if a person does their job fundraising. I mean, you can battle back against that sort of thing. And I think the biggest thing is, 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 you know, $8,000 has been all that's been spent in a lot of these legislative races mm -hmm. for, for decades. And, and uh, so there's, there's very little effort put into unseating the bad candidates pitch rate and unseating the bad candidates sure. before they've been there 20 years. Most of these people that they want to get out that have been there 20 years or a long time that, that are bad were bad after four years. They were bad after eight years, and nobody did anything about it. Nobody tried to run against them. And so it's kind of their own darn fault in a way. But the other thing to keep in mind is full-time politicians is where the term limit belongs. And when you look at that, and there's an old saying that says um, power corrupts and absolute 
power corrupts absolutely. Well, if you're in in control of people for all the time, that's your full time job, and uh, and then you're going to be there for ten years or, or, or twenty years. I don't, you know, as long as some have. Pretty soon, you kind of feel like you own the place. And that's the problem. As a legislator, when I'm serving four months every two years, believe me, I got a lot more to worry about than my legislative job. And I don't really want to create a bunch of laws that now I got to go back and operate under. So why, why would I want more regulation? Why would I want that? Because I got to go be a regular guy. And that's I the key of the legislative process. I think you've hit that on the head. And I can tell you one other thing that probably hurts North Dakota getting good candidates. Well, there's, there's lots of things. I think we have woke up people. Um, you know, I know Luke knows Carrie, Shiloh knows Carrie. I mean, there's a person who never was ever involved and she got motivated and, you know, it started out of being angry, which is good. That's how a lot of this starts sometimes, but she's become a very good resource into organizing and getting people, other people involved. So it's happening, but I look at the four months, you mentioned four months because they only meet every other year. So it's way too long for the average person to take off from their job. Um, I look at uh, just south of the border here, it's a 90-day period, and really it's only 80-some, and then those last few days are done for, you know, bringing reconciliation, things like that. A lot of people can find that kind of time. They really can. But I'm telling you right now, uh, you know, going as long as, as you guys do, or not, sorry, not 90 days, it's uh, only 31 days. That's what it was, 31 days down there. Um well, I think that they have a lot of time too as well. Every other year. What was that, Ben? I said in South Dakota, they have a long session and a short session. One's a budget session <laughs> and one's a uh, policy session. And the policy yep. session, I believe, is the longer one. But I, I think they operate in roughly the same amount of days as we do. We have a limit of uh, 80 calendar days that when we actually gavel in. And I think they might be limited to 90 or something. But they just I don't even think it's 90. Two years. But- yeah, and they do, but I, I do think that it's easier for people to run under that schedule. I don't know how many people I've even asked, and they're like, I, I can't leave my job that long. And they're right; they don't even have that much vacation. Yeah. Here's something that I would I would support. I don't know how, how both of you feel about it. Is just like we have for the armed forces that if you get called out on duty, they have to hold your job for you. I would absolutely support legislation that if you are serving in the legislature, if you're serving, you know, in in that office. They have to hold your job for you while you're yeah. in service. Yeah, yeah, I'd agree with I that. Absolutely support that because a lot of these guys There's a lot of people that would like to serve but can't leave their job, don't want to risk it. And I, I think could maybe get behind that if I don't have to pay them for that amount of time. Um, as a as a as a private business owner, I wouldn't want that unless Not I pay could, them, but saying right. that you. You know that you can't fire them. Maybe they have to. I can't imagine a hired hand taking off for four months saying, "Hey." I'm taking off. You're going to pay me and you got to hold my job. I'd be like, yeah, yeah that ain't going to happen. <laughs> it's, it's military service stuff is though. I mean, yeah. a lot of times that they have stuff like that for military service, yeah. but it only applies to businesses that have more than so many employees. Right. And so many of our legislators that serve work for companies that have less than 15 employees. Yeah. But would that be different if we had some kind of protection in place? It might. I mean, it might. I, just, I don't I just, know. I think I think a person in, in a right to work state though may not want to employ somebody that they thought had aspirations for that. The other thing that I think mm-hmm. is key is that most people that serve in the legislature, regardless if they're of lower, medium, or even some with upper income, they sacrifice to be there. Yeah. But oh, they yeah. get paid to be there. They get paid a couple hundred bucks a day or whatever it is. On Usually that you're time. losing income. And and it's like 
hold on, I'm going to put make this the priority in my life instead of something else. And so whether or not you have sessions every year that are shorter or every two years that are longer, I think the key is that you that you're you're sir that you are a servant that that, that you're it's not just an alternate job. And I would fear in your example yeah. that it would become an alternate job of like, well, you know, this is my other job where I where as I have as a hobby so I can tinker in people's lives. Yeah. And I think and I think if you lose that sacrifice, you might lose the the um, the the incentive to do things for the right reasons right Uh, but i'm not totally against the every set every year deal and i would say that i'm not either if term limits was the past i think it's very likely that there would be people wanting to do annual sessions because i think otherwise like aaron said you wouldn't you know if you only serve for uh eight years in the house that's only four sessions and you know maybe you'd have one or two good sessions before you were out i mean the leaders would have no experience um, you know, you'd have a majority leader who'd been there four years or something. I mean, that, that'd be ridiculous. And so. Well, and, and I get that. I do. Like I said, that, I don't think term limits is going to solve what they want it to solve. I really don't. I, I just, I don't, it's a nice, how you put this? It's a so, good idea that might not be a great reality. <laughs> so what do you think is going to pass? What's your prediction, Clayton? I think, I think it will. I, think I do too. I do. I have, I just, people are pissed off and they want to do something and, Unfortunately, something. I've got a little something. Well, I think the real the real solution to it is is getting people involved. I I just after thinking about it, and I did a short video yesterday on on why I feel that way. You know, I'm I'm a part of a group up here. I wasn't involved either for you know up until two and a half years ago, and I got involved with a group. I, someone had reached out to me and, uh, you know, how we got 400 and some people to show up at our endorsing convention, um, to save our, our, uh, uh, district chair was there was eight of us in a room that met every week and started making calls and started getting people up off the couch. The reason that district two had 92 delegates there was that same eight people and reaching out to people and getting you know getting the word out i think that's what we need to do is get get people more involved uh i think a lot of people don't understand that it doesn't it doesn't take a lot of people to start that fire but if we stand together and for the right cause and for the cause and not for say for one person but for the cause I think we would have a lot better turnout. I mean, when you only have 15% of the population showing up for the primary, that kind of tells you something. <laughs> oh, when I yeah. talk to people here, even in a, in my town array, that's 850 people. And I ask someone if they want a Becker sign and he goes, well, honestly, I haven't really followed it. So I, I send him some of the interviews that we did with Rick on the show and a couple of days later i get a text saying you know i i listened to the stuff that you sent me and i actually have been listening to him all day he goes i like that guy i'll absolutely take a sign and it's kind of just grown from there i see i handed out more signs as is that uh has had um you know the word got out uh district 33 with jessica bell is another prime example that's my home stomping grounds is that hazen area and I was actually at that convention. My grandpa called me because there was issues down there. And he 
I just basically went down to support my grandpa. My grandpa's an 86 year old staunch Republican been in the party for 60 years. And, um, you know, I was down there that night that, uh, Keith Bame won that, uh, endorse endorsement from them. And there again, there was a room of, uh, 12 people, I think is what it was mm -hmm. that started boots on the ground and really got the word out. And, and there again, there was over 400 people at that, um, district convention as well. So I think that's what the real problem is, is we, we as Americans need to start doing our own civic duty. Uh, you know, we've been taught as a society, never to talk about religion and politics in which <laughs> is not a good thing, because if you think about it, they go hand in hand. And for whatever reason, our society, you always hear about never talk about politics or religion. I, Luke, you did a short video the other day about it, about when you went to barber school, about not talking about politics and religion. Yeah, I failed at that. Yeah. Yeah, I missed that memo. And, uh, I think we need more of that, but we need to be able to take the emotion out of the conversation and, and actually not just talk, but listen. And that's and people don't do that anymore. That's what we need to get back to. We need to get back to spreading so, the word, you know, I'm, and and doing our civic I, duty. I say I lost my camera for some reason. Am I still here? No, you're there. Yeah, you're All here. Right. So Shiloh, you're talking about the primaries. I, I actually worked a primary here because I wanted to, I never did it before and I volunteered and <laughs> I couldn't tell you how many people I know that bitch about politics and this person's in there. I'll guarantee yeah. you 90% of them didn't show up from my district that I know to vote. Yep. And, and, on and, and, and some of them that did from other districts that know that, I mean, I'm not a political wizard, but I'm into it more than a lot of people. I would get texts from them and I almost felt like I shouldn't text them back because I was volunteering as an election official. I'm like, you guys didn't do your research. I'm like, I don't feel comfortable sending back who you think, you, you know, they're calling. Right. Who should I vote for here? Who should I? I'm like, well, you didn't, you didn't do your research. So I should, if that's the case, why don't you just stay home? I mean, if you don't know right. It's it was pathetic. I couldn't believe how many people. Not only that, like people who volunteer for it, I was easily the youngest person there, and I'm 51. Yeah, and I was, I I was the youngest person there. It was well, well it, you know, there um, you just got a, a a great idea. You know, a lot of people this this uh, um, term limit deal, and I'm sorry, Luke. I'll just be right quick here. The term limit deal. So they people are mad and upset. So you just uh, you just said something too. There's poll watchers. I mean, there's other ways that you can get involved. I mean, the Sons of Liberty, that's one of our our codes is, you know, having poll watchers, fair elections. Mm -hmm. I mean, there is so much that a person can do to make sure that this stuff goes correctly. Um, we just need to get up off the couch. So, and, and that's what I feel is wrong with our whole society. So, anyway, Luke. Well, <laughs> Um, we actually got to get going here pretty soon, the three of us. But um, one thing that I've noticed, a lot of the people that are really promoting and really talking about um, term limits, they can't tell you their representatives' names. You have two of them. And they can't tell you their senator's name. 
and yep. now they're frustrated and upset. Um, that's like that's like people saying, "Hey, it's impossible to retire." Well, newsflash: in America, you can retire. You can retire a multimillionaire being a janitor at McDonald's. You can do this, but it takes some planning. You have to know what you're doing here. Yeah. Uh, <clears throat> I, I mean, I talk to very, very wealthy people in my barbershop on a daily basis, and they don't have glamorous jobs, but they've taken time out of their day to retire. So you're telling me that you're going to have a term limit that fixes something, and you don't know who's representing you. That's a problem. You mm -hmm. are the problem. Yeah. I am the problem. We are the problem. Um, there is nothing, there is no easy fix. Democrats want their Obama phones. They want this, you know, uh, mm -hmm. a free lunch program. And Republicans, I'm sorry, are no different. And, and this is an interesting story. My dad has a colleague, a friend, who is very good friends with Mike Pence. Well, Mike Pence, my dad asked Mike Pence, or uh, Mike, his friend, to ask Mike Pence, why they didn't fill their cabinet because remember donald trump did not fill their cabinet he did not have a full cabinet yeah and my dad's colleague his friend said i already asked him that question my dad said well, what did he say and mike pence's friend said or mike pence said this he said we can't find enough good men and women to fill the cabinets yep. mm, i don't doubt that that it that's on us that's on us and the only way this machine called a constitutional republic clayton you're a farmer you farm rancher rancher okay, okay. careful you're insulting him but if you are out on a piece of equipment and you decide you know what i'm just not going to grease those zerks how long does that piece of equipment last uh, it not very long. Any rancher, no, one gallon of diesel fuel is 60 man hours. That's what it calculates out to. That's a Trent Loose uh, concept. <laughs> say, that has to be from Trent. <laughs> it is. <laughs> 60 man hours equals one diesel, one gallon of diesel. Okay. I mean, think now, was that, now, was that accounting for inflation? Yeah. <laughs> so, like, you put in, you put in um, let's hear this, three, four, five, six, six of us. One skid steer can do more work in three hours than we can do all day long. Oh yeah, skater's amazing piece of equipment. So now you now you can see how we're calculating this out. It takes work to maintenance your skid steer. It takes work to maintenance your government, and that's absolutely. The and so this easy button. I mean, I mean. <laughs> there's nothing about a constitutional republic and there never has been anything easy about a constitutional republic well, and that's why they call it a democracy luke I, you know what drives me nuts they call it a democracy all the time i was watching oh. fox when, when when clay and i were at kfr right on fox news democracy 2022 i'm like what country are we talking about here democracy are you no. Well, when, when people say that, I just ask, I ask them how they voted on the last state budget. <laughs> <They're> <laughs> like, oh, really? Well, did you vote to raise or lower the cost of human services in North Dakota? 
Mm. And they look at me like I'm from Mars. <laughs> and I'm like, uh, well, let's talk about this here. Let's explain what the difference is here. Um, $3 billion budget? Four. But, you know, you know one, of, one of the things that, that you should, your listeners should know, those that maybe are still contemplating voting for the term limit bill, is in our Constitution in North Dakota, we have sort of our equivalent of the Second Amendment. You know, we have a, yeah. a pro-gun section of our, of our Constitution. And in some ways, it you could maybe argue it's even written in today's terms a little more clearly than, you know, doesn't leave yeah, it some of the ludicrous inter interpretations of our of our uh, mm -hmm. uh, U.S. Constitution. But but here's the interesting: this term limits bill has a provision in there, a supremacy clause that says that term limit reigns supreme over all other provisions of our state constitution. So even if you thought the term limit was the written the best it possibly could in terms of how it functions and you're like eight years and you're out and that's going to save the state um you should take you should you should posit the fact that is it good policy to have a term limit be supreme over your right to bear arms in the north dakota constitution mm -hmm. and so so that's something to know um somebody else hit on on a, a, a senator who lost uh election in western north dakota that's a good point um was the darling of the coal industry um and uh the queen bee i mean the whole yeah. for a lot allegedly oh we lost luke now. Uh oh sniper mm, she hit her man i was waiting for an answer on that oh, there we go there, there we go yeah, so so you know th that particular legislator was was thought to be almost unbeatable because mm -hmm. of you know she'd always do the right thing for coal and all these things well, one of the things that that got a bees under the bonnet for many people that maybe weren't upset otherwise is the fact that she voted against the bill and, and voted against overriding the governor on a bill that we passed that simply said boys shouldn't play in girls sports. That's right. Mm -hmm. It's not yeah. it's not fair. It doesn't make sense. You know, the anatomy math doesn't work out. OK. And and uh, and we had the opportunity to do that. Ironically enough, there was actually a higher proportion of women in the legislature that voted against that bill than men. Mm. If you say if, you, if there's however many women there are, a higher percentage mm. of them voted no on a on a bill to protect girls sports wow. than the number of pr proportion of men that did, which is kind of odd. Yeah. But that legislator, who oh. if I if my memory serves me correctly, only has daughters, voted against that bill. And voted no on overriding the governor. Now we're going to get that bill through this year. I'm bringing that back. Man, I hope Good. we'll have the votes in the Senate to do it. Yeah. I don't want. I, I think you will. I think you'll definitely have the votes in the Senate it. to do it. Um, yeah. And I don't know who's going to be the, the the leaders there in the House and the Senate. I know they're kicking around. Uh, I know. I know Don Scheibel's name has come up, guys. I um, I hope that ain't the guy. Uh, I really do. Uh, I sit with him on our executive committee, and I know him, and he's not your guy, but. Who knows? I, I know he carries a lot of clout in that body. Unfortunately, I don't. I don't think he's going to be the one. My Good. own. I only <laughs> reading up the tea leaves, but well, I can tell you both. Both our legislators in District Twenty, um, that one that took my spot, both um, rejected that bill, the, the sports bill. Yep. Well, I had one. That was it. Well, I'm proud to say that in District Thirty One, uh, that uh, Jim Schmidt won't be there anymore in the House of Representatives, and uh, Karen Rohr voted to have due process when Luke's deal came up and Jim Schmidt decided to uh, go unconstitutional and vote to expel him. So, and I told Jim I was going to get rid of him and we did. <laughs> I sat right there in the executive committee. I said, you won't be sitting there next time. <laughs> yeah.
And I knew so, Dawson was going to be running. Um, that's how it's done, though. You talk about getting involved. You don't have to run, but you can get the right people who, who can run. Yeah. And I, I I just thought that that was a better choice at this moment. <laughs> yeah. No, hey, Luke. Luke's my bringing gr- in canes. What's going on? Yeah, I know. I was going to say, my grandpa got <laughs> over there at the dinner table, and I got out of hand. Man, he get that thing right around my neck <laughs> up real quick. Maybe there you bring go. that back. This, this year, a Cherokee dude a barber in my barber shop, he made that for me. Kind of looks like a snake's head. Yeah, it does. Yeah. And that's natural, right? Yep. Kind of cool. But what these guys are looking at right here, this is a really neat one. And you probably have seen something like this before. Um, you can see how uh, neat neat that is. Once my raccoon hunted with Marty. And uh, Clayton, you can see that. I can. Wow. You know what this is? It almost looks like it comes from the part of a bull. <laughs> it's a bull pecker. That's what yeah. I thought. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Isn't that you, you showed that to me? I knew what it was. I'm pretty sure I know what that is. <laughs> yeah. yeah, but it, it's really neat. No, I mean, no, Luke, did, did you actually just hold that up and say, "Isn't this dandy"? <laughs> did you just say that, Luke? I, I, you know, the truth is, is I don't know why they kicked me out of the legislature. <laughs> I have no idea. It's so long, Luke. <laughs> <laughs> so it's kind of neat, though. It's like it? that it's old Democrat did in Kansas before the Civil War started swinging it around. Back to the yeah. future, where he goes, McFly, McFly. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> The darn snake Hello. head on there. Me and Jamie, we, we don't like snakes, do we, Jamie? After no. down our little South no. Dakota trip. <laughs> no. <laughs> Two out of three we got. Yeah, we we were on a dog town, and evidently these snakes are not far Whoa. away from it. Yeah, we Big were running in rattlesnakes guys. all afternoon. Man, that thing is so big. Nothing a 5.7 by 28 didn't take care of, though. Yeah. Before Luke goes, I got a quick question for you guys, uh, Clay and, and Jamie. I know why we started our podcast. It was just two guys getting together and, you know, I don't know. That's about it. Right, Luke? In fact, I asked Luke if he wanted to do to do something, uh, do a podcast. And he goes, well, he goes, actually, it's funny you should say that. He goes, I've been <laughs> thinking about doing one, but honestly, Shiloh, I just really don't have the time. And so we started talking and I'm like, well, what night would work for you? And. So we came up with Thursday nights and, and I don't know, we didn't really start with a purpose besides spreading news. And, and, uh, at first we were going to call it, um, what was it, Luke? Something about friends because of the circle of people that we both of us run in, in, and it's kind of a different group for me as well as him. And and I think that's what it was going to be called was a circle of friends. And then we decided on, here's the deal because, uh, we're kind of poking fun of our, president so we decided on deals yeah so i was just wondering how what you guys how you guys came up with your name and and you know what what made you guys decide to do this why don't you take this one jamie first um mayor bakken was running for re-election and his opponent who won um said that he wasn't giving him fair airtime because steve worked over 1270 (laughs) And he was going to have Clay fill in for six weeks. So on the way up, Clay called me and he said, hey, I'm, I'm filling in for Steve. Why don't you come up and do the second hour with me? So, All right. Let's talk to my boss. He said, yeah, go ahead. You know, evil right wing guy never lets you off work. He's a real slave driver. <laughs> yeah. But uh, 
So then I went over there, and then, uh, I don't know, it went pretty good, Clay, right? And you're like, well, how about next week? And we ended up doing that for, for six weeks, and then the, the studio engineer there said, uh, man, you know, I think you guys – you guys got some good chemistry here. You should, you should do that. And we had some other people say, start a podcast and, and um, we're like, okay. And we kind of hee-hawed around and we filled in again, I think once or twice, right? Yeah. Clay, a couple yeah, weeks later, a couple times in there. Yeah. And uh, man, people were really encouraging us and we're like, all right, we'll give it a try. And we thought, Hey, just start a podcast. This will be easy. Yeah. yeah we found too. out that wasn't the case, you know, <laughs> <laughs> buying the equipment, well, getting everything, you know, and then, and then the, the technical the technicalities of it. Good thing. Clay's a lot handier with the, with computers and me and, and my boss's son actually helped us out with quite a bit of it. He's a whiz tech man T and, and then we picked the name out. That took a couple of weeks, two, three weeks. And, and we toyed with a name for a long time. We, yeah, we, just, we come up with a lot of dumb ones. <laughs> but. Yeah, yeah, we stuck with the, we got we had to get the seven hundred one in there. We I think that was the first thing we settled on, right, Clay? Because we're like yeah. everything's like seven hundred one, four hundred six, six hundred. And I can tell you why. I mean, uh, we wanted to find some younger viewers too, and mm -hmm. I, I just I know that the younger generation at eighteen to twenty five, for whatever reason, everything to them is the area code of their state, mm -hmm. six hundred five, seven hundred one. I mean, yeah, it just seemed like everything they're doing is that. Minnesota, there's more than one, so they get, they get messed up over there. They're messed up anyway, so. <laughs> we didn't even get a react. Oh, there we go. Yeah. But, but yeah. yeah, that's how it went. I, I don't know. It's it's going pretty good. It's going, we, I suppose you know. we took a good two months, though, before we launched anything. We really mm -hmm. messed mm -hmm. around with this. Um, actually, Marty's the one that thought the Trent and kind of put us on the restream so we could we looked at Podbean and i don't know we looked at a whole bunch of yeah. streaming services and yeah leon francis is giving us a I didn't really care for any of them until i found restream this one seems pretty good you know a lot of things yard. were yeah. kind of coincidental too like like we like clay kind of told me about the shorts and somebody told him and i'd never heard of them on youtube <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, and, and then, so my dad, I was out scouting deer and came back and he shot a beaver and it was laid on the bridge and I went back and got him and I'm like, Hey dad, pick up that beaver and we'll say something. You throw him over the side of the bridge. I'm going to put it on YouTube shorts. And he's like, what? Who the hell wants to see that? <laughs> so I did it. And that thing has 979,000 views and picked yeah, us up just... a ton of subscriptions. So. <laughs> Wow, we're sitting at like thing. a oh, look here. We're looking at we're we're a thousand sixteen. Yeah. We picked up a couple here, thousand sixteen subscribers now. But hey, here we go. And I don't know what makes a short go viral because we thought, so, yeah, you think one's gonna be awesome. And you're like, oh man, we're gonna get and you do it, and you're like, what? Three hundred views. Right. <laughs> but uh, like weird stuff. I got my buddy uh, Bull Snake crawling across his driveway on gravel <laughs> yeah. for 20 seconds. I think I had like 10,500 views. It's unbelievable. But the rattlesnake that was striking at my buddy, yeah. I didn't hardly get any views. I don't, I don't you know. know. Yeah. But no, we started it basically because people were kind of encouraging us and we kind of thought it was fun. Yeah. So we thought we'd put it together and we have well, a passion second for, amendment for stuff, Clay, Second right? Amendment and freedom. And so here we are. Yeah. Um, Clay, Clay is like, me and Clay can sit there for like three hours and just talk about stuff. <laughs> yeah. Second Amendment, shooting, hunting. Luke knows how that goes. <laughs> yeah. 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 So what do you say, Luke? Can I throw you off a bridge and let's get some drivers? Uh, yeah. <laughs> I can't throw you. Looks like a big dude. So. Luke's a big dude. You might have you can, a hard time. You can yell, no due process here and throw him over. Yeah. <laughs> Make a splash. <laughs> well, it has been really enjoyable, but we really do have to yep. go. I got to get uh -oh. ready for deer season tomorrow, too, guys. I got a bunch oh, yeah. of packing up. We didn't even get to, to talk about that, did we? 
No, no we time. didn't get it. Hey, no. this is fun. And we were yeah, supposed we'll to be it. on K Fire tomorrow, but I just saw. Oh, hey, Mitchell sent the text. He's got to get ready at at Schwan, so, so we're not uh, on tomorrow. He said next week, maybe. From I'm gonna give a yeah. shameless plug. We're gonna be starting Mitchell in the mornings uh, every Friday morning at yep. about uh, 8:40 Central. Uh, awesome. We'll be on there, and then of course we got our bot or our podcast is on the or on the main four: iHeart, Spotify, Amazon Music. ITunes. What's the other one? iTunes, and and there's I don't four, three or four other ones. Yeah, I don't know. You can find everything at gunsin701.com, though. That's the place to go. Guys, yep. that's one thing me and Shia looking at. I'd get a website. I really would. Uh, yeah. That has been huge, having that. So, right. yeah, we've right. come a long ways from talking about, hey, we should do a podcast. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yep. All right. Well, like I said, I got to I gotta click out, guys. It's been fun. Yeah. I appreciate Thank you having you. us on. I'm more than happy to do it again. It's uh, Yeah, we'll, we'll have to do it again. You got that buck tag, Shiloh. Hope you feel that sucker. Thank you. I appreciate it. You bet. You bet. You bet. Anybody else who's deer hunting, man, I hope you guys have fun. I love deer season. I got a doe tag, but friends got buck tags at deer season. That's all it for me for hunting. I love it. (laughs) All right, guys. Take it easy. Clayton, I'll talk to you later here. Yep. Have a good night. See you guys. Appreciate it. Good night. Good night.